began a new series a couple of weeks ago entitled Unpacking Psalm 88, A Real God for Real People with Real Issues. So we're coming to God as real and as humble as we can, saying that we need him later for religion, later for formality and customs. I need a fresh encounter. I need a fresh word from God. Last week we talked about when God doesn't listen to you. We spoke about how Heman, the writer of Psalm 88, felt that the Lord was not listening to his prayers, even though he cried out day and night continuously. But the good thing about this man and what he teaches us is even when you feel like God isn't listening, keep on praying because he is listening. Because prayer is not just about what I can get from God. Prayer is about how I can spend time with God, getting intimate with him. Because sometimes he may not answer the prayer when I want or how I want, but the encounter with him was worth it, getting close to him. He, he may not calm or change the things around me, but he will calm and change things within me, and that occurs when we get in his presence and so we were encouraged last week, keep on praying, even if you feel God isn't listening. He's listening. And today, we're going to entitle this message, When God Places You in a Pit. When God Places You in a Pit. And this comes from Psalm 88, beginning at verse 3. And the Bible reads, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift from among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. Verse 6. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. You have laid me in the lowest pit. So today, when God places you, when God places me in a pit, let's pray. Lord, every word of the Bible is inspired by you. Every word, even the words that are hard, that are difficult. But we thank you for these hard and difficult words because when we go through hard and difficult seasons, we need to realize that there are people who've been there with you before. We need to realize that above all, you're with us in those hard and difficult seasons. We know, Lord God, that there is paradise coming for us. But we also know until we get, that, get there, that in this life we will experience trials and tribulations. Even with that, Jesus, you say, be of good cheer. I'm with you. I have overcome the world. And the sufferings of this present age, they are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. So we thank you, Lord, for where we're going. But until we get there, you still do miracles. You still visit us in the pit. You still take us out of the pit 
and use that experience to help change and save lives. I pray for the person today that's upset with you, that's angry with you, that, Lord, they would open up their heart just for a moment, that the gospel, that the seed of the word may be implanted within them and that hope would spring forth in the place of despair. So thank you, Lord. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About five years ago, a young man married his sweetheart. They got married in Atlanta about five years ago. And in less than a month from their wedding day, the groom had a tragic accident. He was riding from Atlanta through Nashville on one of our many highways here. It was late at night, and he noticed on the highway that there was a car that had turned over. And not only did the car turn over, but there were sparks emanating from the vehicle. So this young man got out of his car and went to begin to try to save the person that was in the car. And as he was pulling the person to safety, he saw the flames continuing to engulf. So in order to get away from the flames, he jumped over a guardrail to escape the flames after having pulled the person to safety. But what he didn't know was that on the other side of the guardrail was literally a cliff. And it was a 40-foot drop in the night, in the dark, and he fell 40 feet down. And he broke his shin, he shattered his ankle, broke his jaw, and he was laying there unconscious in the dark. And as he was slipping in and out of consciousness, he saw a helicopter coming. And he was able to be life-flighted to Vanderbilt, where he underwent several surgeries. Because when they came to get him, not only was everything broken, but his mouth, he was dripping with blood. And, and so they took him. He had to undergo surgeries, and they also had to put a tracheotomy in his throat so that he could breathe. And this was not expected for a newlywed. This was not expected for a person who loves God. This was not ex expected because this young man was in the ministry. And all he was trying to do was help somebody. And he found himself in a pit. And it hurt him. And for the next two years, he was in a mode of recovery. And his newlywed wife, rather than them getting to know one another, she had to feed him. She had to clean him. She had to dress him. And what a way to get started as they began their new life together. And he went on to say that he was angry with God for that unexpected pit that he fell into trying to do the right thing. God, why did you let that happen? And for two years to recover, what is a pit? A pit is a hole in the ground. Today, from the scripture we'll read when we go to Genesis, it's a cistern 
that doesn't have water in it. So it's something made to hold water, but sometimes they don't have water. There are holes in the ground, either natural holes or holes made by men. A pit, it's a dark place as you wait to be rescued, not from a helicopter, but from God. A pit is an unforeseen place that, listen to this, we fall into, we get pushed into, or even thrown into. A pit is no respecter of persons. A pit is a life-altering situation. A pit is an overwhelming negative experience. It's an unexpected accident, a devastating divorce, an unexpected diagnosis, an incurable disease, ongoing disappointment, a tragic death, a painful loss, an unprecedented betrayal. It's another closed door. It's repeated mental anguish. It's unbearable emotional trauma or it's even a season of unparalleled spiritual warfare. We're talking about a pit. And a pit is a place of abandonment. This young man didn't know how long he was in that pit. He slipped in and out of consciousness, but he was there for a while. Time went by. A pit is a place of abandonment. You will feel abandoned in your pit by people, by family, by friends, by the church, and even by God himself, you will feel abandoned by the one who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The pit is a place of unparalleled suffering and loneliness and heartbreak and heartache and excessive sorrow, unanswered questions, mental trauma, and emotional turmoil. The pit is a place of rejection without a reason. Let me say that again. The pit is a place of rejection without a reason. Why am I in this pit? Because when you're in the pit, you have a whole lot of questions, and a lot of those questions go unanswered because the pit doesn't make sense. You're in this pit, and you have questions. Why? Where are you, God? Why is this going on? Now it's a place of rejection without a reason. But eventually, God wants us to see the pit as a place of rejection for a reason. It's a place of rejection without a reason. But he wants us to see it. It's a place of rejection. Yes, it is. But there is a reason for it. Okay, you don't believe me. Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verse 22. The Bible says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Stop and pause before I read the next verse. This is a word of prophecy about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Who's the stone, the cornerstone, the foundation of our lives, the one, the rock on which the church is built. But the Bible says that he is the stone that was rejected. And a lot of times as Christians, we don't like to hear 
the words rejection associated with our faith walk. We just want to hear words like destiny and, and, and promotion and, and blessing. and yeah. We want to get to the palace without going by a pit or a prison. We just want to jump. And God is like, no, you got to realize that the pit and the prison prepare you for the palace. The pit and the prison prepare you for your platform. And even Jesus could not escape rejection. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. So already we have a savior who understands rejection. Because the people we go to, for whatever reason, they don't receive us. They reject us. They turn on us. They hurt us. And Jesus is saying, I'm here and I can be touched with the feeling of that infirmity you have right now. Because I was rejected in a whole nother way. But watch this. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Out of rejection, there is a becoming. But you got to go through the process to become the chief cornerstone. And then the Bible says, this was the Lord's doing. What's the Lord's doing? The rejection. This was God's doing. He wanted you. He ordained for you to be rejected. Pastor, wait a minute. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Your steps are ordered, which means if your steps walk into a pit, knowingly or unknowingly, if you get pushed into a pit, that means that pit was ordained just as much as the palace was ordained. Because nothing happens in our lives without God's sovereign permission and approval. So if you're in a pit, it's because God says, I want you there. I'm going to grow you while you're there. I'm going to purge you while you're there. I'm going to cleanse you while you're there. I'm going to strengthen you while you're there. So when I pull you up out of there, I can use you in a way that you could never understand. I'm going to use your pain to help comfort and minister to somebody else. So don't despise the pit. Don't cuss the pit. As we're going to see today, get closer to God in the pit. And realize that there is a purpose to the pit and to the pain. And when I think of pit and pain and purpose, I can't think of this word without talking about Joseph. So just a few moments before we close, I got to talk about Joseph, Genesis chapter 37. The psalmist said, you placed me in the pit. You know why you did it? Because you've ordered my steps, which means you've ordered up a pit. The will of God is never a straight line. The will of God is a zigzag line that has detours and ditches and pits. We just want to get on the highway and just cruise. Now, you got to go through some back alleys and streets and woods and roads of construction to get where God wants you to go. It's never a straight line. It's never easy. The will of God is not a formula that what he's done with one person he's going to do for you. No, we can gain principles from other people, but what he's doing for me, the, the days he's written about me in his book, they're different from yours and yours are different from mine. But on some of those pages, 
there are pits. In some of those chapters, there are some pits. But if we believe he's in control, he ordained the pit. What's the purpose of the pit? Oh, Genesis 37. I'll begin reading at verse 18. If you don't know the story of Joseph, please familiarize yourself with it. I don't have time to give you all the background to it. Um, just know that he and his 10 brothers at the time are the sons of Jacob, Israel. There's a promise on them that goes back to Abraham that they're going to inherit the land of promise. They're a small people at this time, but they will grow. And so this young man, Joseph, has dreams. And he has dreams that his brothers are going to bow down to him. His brothers didn't like it. He had another dream that not only would his brothers bow down, but the sun and the moon, speaking of mama and daddy, are going to bow down to him too. So because of that, the brothers hated him. The Bible says they envied him. They were jealous of him. And jealousy is a cruel thing. Jealousy will turn brothers into foes. Jealousy will turn sisters into combatants. Jealousy. They hated him. They didn't speak a kind word to him. Why? Because he was daddy's favorite. Daddy shouldn't have been playing favorites, but he was the child of his old age and from the woman that he loved because homeboy Jacob had four wives. Again, I don't have time to go there. Make you want to read it now, don't you? And Joseph came from his main lady, Rachel. So this is the son of his old age, son from his main woman. So he made a coat of many colors for that homeboy. And the other sons despised him. Rather than celebrating him, they want to tear him down. And the Bible says in verse 18 of Genesis 37, now when they saw him, Joseph, afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. You know it's bad when your own brothers want to kill you. But that's what hate produces. You know, when you hate people, you'll end up hurting people, killing people, even your own brother, because you're ruled by jealousy and envy. So they conspired to kill him. Verse 19, then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. And we ain't talking about Martin Luther King. We're talking about Joseph. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some what? And we shall say or we shall lie. Some wild beasts have devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. We ain't bowing down to you. No, we're going to kill you. But Reuben, he's the oldest. He heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let's not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this what? Pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped him. They stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a what? And the what was empty. There was no water in it. So this is one of those cisterns. And they sat down to eat a meal. You know you cold-hearted. This ain't a stranger. Now, this is your brother that you grew up with. And you can digest food and have a meal 
while your brother is languishing in a pit, cold-hearted folk. The Bible says that they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bringing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what Judah, the one who leads praise, Judah said, what profit is there that we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. The love of money is the root of all evil. You'll, you'll sell people for money. You'll buy people the evilness of, of, of loving money. He says, so that our hand not be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. So, so he our brother now. Okay, let, let, let's get some change, some cash. And his brothers listened because they were followers. Nobody had conviction of soul to stand up and go against the crowd. It's easy to follow a crowd to bully somebody. Ten brothers were bullying one brother. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the what? And sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Verse 29, then Reuben returned to the what? And indeed, Joseph was not in the what? And he tore his clothes. So five times in these few verses, we see the word pit because God wants us to get a message from the pit. It was in the pit that Joseph's faith grew. He gained wisdom in the pit. He developed his gift of interpreting dreams in the pit because from the pit, he would be framed for rape and then thrown into prison. But I love how the Bible says, although he kept going down, the Lord was with him. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. No matter what pit you find yourself in, whether you get framed for rape or, or betrayed by your brothers or you fall into one yourself, the Lord is with you. It may not feel like it, but we don't operate primarily on our feelings. We operate on the truth of the word, and we have faith in God and in what he said. So it's in the pit that he gained this wisdom, developed his gift, and he learned about folk, the theology of people. Oh, boy, I won't chase the rabbit. I'm going to keep going. My time is short. Those are the things he learned in the pit, but from the pit, because that's not how the story ends. He, he gets out, he gets out of prison, then he gets promoted to become second to Pharaoh in Egypt. He became a prime minister. Now, as we read these stories, we miss the time that elapses between them. This is about 20 years, 22 years to be exact, from when he gets put in a pit and sold by his brothers to when he is now prime minister in Egypt. So over 20 years have gone by. So from the pit, he gets promoted to be prime minister. From the pit, he meets his wife, his Egyptian African wife, Asenath. They have two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He saves Egypt from famine. He saves surrounding countries from famine. This man who was in the pit went to prison but was promoted. He delivered Jacob's clan from death, and he saved the lives of his brothers, the ones who threw him in the pit in the first place. And when daddy had died, Jacob had died, and the brothers said to Joseph, oh, Joseph, please do not kill us. Now that daddy's dead, 
Because we, we're sure you're holding a grudge against us after all these years and what we did to you. And Joseph not only forgave them, but he had to remind them. He said, uh, you sold me, but God sent me. You missed that. It went right over your head. Y'all sold me, mm -hmm. but God sent me because my times are not in your hands. My times are in the hands of God. Because one thing that pit gave me was perspective. You don't have enough power to control what I do with my life. God has the power over my life. And he used you to put me in a pit. Matter of fact, the dirt you tried to cover me over with is the same dirt my father used to plant me. You got to look at it. The pit gives you perspective. You tried to bury me like I was dead. But God used the dirt to plant me because of resurrection and, and life was about to come. So that's how I'm looking at this thing. Oh, the pit gave him perspective. 1958, while on a book signing tour in Harlem, New York, Martin Luther King Jr. was stabbed in the chest by a demented woman while signing copies of his book, Stride Towards Freedom. The woman said, are you Dr. King? And he said, yes, I am. And the next thing he felt was something pressing against his chest. She took a sharp metal opener, a, a, a letter opener, and stabbed him with it. She also had a gun on her person. So she was out to kill him. He was rushed to the hospital in Harlem. Surgery was performed on him, and the blade was removed from his chest. It was just fractions away from his aorta, and had he sneezed, his aorta would have been punctured within his heart and he would have drowned in his own blood. And so he was in a pit of a situation. But one of the beautiful things about this story is not only did he forgive this woman, he forgave her. But when the doctors went in to remove the blade and they stitched him back up, they made a cross-shaped scar on his chest right at his heart. And he goes on to say, whenever I would go in and shave and I look at myself in a mirror, I would see this cross-shaped uh, scar over my heart reminding me of the pit and the pain and the attempted assassination on my life that God delivered me from. So rather than being bitter about what happened to him, the pit brought perspective and he could thank God for what happened to him because God showed his power in the midst of a painful situation. So before I let you go today, here are a few things we must do when we find ourselves in a pit. Here are a couple things we got to do when we find ourselves in a pit like Joseph was, like the writer of Psalm 88 was, like we all get in, like I've been in throughout my life at different intervals First thing you want to do in a pit is get closer to God. Get closer to God in the pit. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the Bible says that God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, there was a fourth man who joined them in the fire who had the appearance of the Son of God. What's the point? When you're going through the pits and the fire and the pain, you're not by yourself. God is with you because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So get close to him. As Jules said today, lean into him. Don't blame him. Don't cuss him. Trust him. Hold on to him. Don't let go of him. Because if you don't get close to God in that pit, you're going to waste a lot of time. 
Because part of that pit is to develop intimacy. So if you're mad, got a hard heart for weeks and months and even years, you're wasting a lot of time. And God is not the kind of teacher that's going to skip you to the next grade without you learning a lesson in the present grade you in. <laughs> we know there's some teachers that will move some kids along. God don't do that. A lot of us have been repeating first grade for a minute now. Because that attitude hadn't been adjusted yet. We're still mad. We're still angry. And the Bible says the wrath of man does not produce the righteous life that God requires. Don't get mad at him. Trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Number two, not only get closer to God, but number two, get a word from God in the pit. Get a word. And that means you got to do more than come and listen to a sermon. You got to open up your Bible and read it for yourself. There's nothing like a pit to encourage your Bible study. Get a word. And while you're getting a word from God, you got to watch out the words of men that come because they'll tell you all kind of stuff while you're in your pit. So you got to make sure the voice of God reigns and not the voice of your friends or not even the lies of the enemy who will be speaking to your mind and, and, and feeding you lies about yourself and you turn inward and you uh, become sad and grief-stricken and you begin to think about taking your life and all these kinds of lies that come. But we got to have truth to combat the lies. About five years ago, I went through the worst experience of my life. But while I was in that pit, I got closer to God, and I opened up this word. As a matter of fact, I'm holding here a Rolodex of scriptures that I made during that season. Because when I would read something or I hear somebody expound upon a script, I said, oh, I needed that one, and I would write it down. And I would take these cards, and I would meditate on them. I would read them. I would get that into my soul to help fight against the way that I was feeling. Stuff like, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. So when I wanted to get mad, the Holy Spirit said, remember that passage? No, be glad. When I wanted to stay sad, the Holy Spirit said, no, remember this passage? Be glad. Oh, can I read one more? Psalm 30, verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So sometimes you got to start dancing in the pit. Uh, uh, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. In other words, he hadn't forgotten about you. He isn't unjust, Hebrews 6.10, uh, Psalm 27.6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord, Psalm 27.6, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Psalm 71, 14. Oh my goodness. And then uh, here's one more. Here's one. Psalm 71, verse 20 and 21. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. You better get a word when you're in the pit. Oh my God. But not only that, Get a heart of forgiveness in the pit. <laughs> you got to forgive the ones that pushed you. 
You got to forgive the ones who dug a ditch and wanted you to fall into it. You got to forgive the people that hurt you. Some people hurt you and they didn't even know they hurt you. You got to forgive them. Some people hurt you and you know they did it intentionally. You got to forgive them even if they don't ask for it. Because that's more for you than it is for them. I ain't carrying this bitterness. I'm not carrying this unforgiveness. I forgive you. Oh, my God. So you got to forgive in the pit. Forgive your mother. Forgive your father. Forgive that teacher. Forgive your pastor. Forgive your friend. Forgive your husband. Forgive your wife. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Oh, when you forgive, you are free. Get you some self-care while you're in the pit, number four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go see a good counselor. It's one thing to come to a pastor. I'll help you. But some of us need to go to a licensed professional therapist. Okay? Go, go see somebody. You're not crazy if you go. You're crazy if you don't go. Man, go see somebody. I went to counseling. And I was told that I was suffering from a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. I was told that I was suffering from racial battle fatigue. I, I, I was told so many things, but I was also given tools on how to combat the feelings and, and all the pain. Some of us need to be given medication. While you're in the pit, get some rest. Man, just lay down and let God handle it. Stop trying to fight the battle yourself. Man, get some rest. Go to sleep. Exercise. Get your heart moving. Because when you're in the pit, you start eating wrong. You try to medicate your pain with another this and another that. And, and next thing you know, you didn't gain weight in the pit. Mm -hmm. Happened to me. Or you lose weight in the pit because you have no appetite to eat. Take care of yourself in the pit. Read while you're in the pit. Write while you're in the pit. While I was in the pit, my wife was writing. Because when I was in the pit, she was in the pit by virtue of association with me. And them three children's books we love so much, they came out of that pit. She started writing. God gave her gems in the pit. Get you some hobbies in the pit. Collect some comic books or something. Amen, Brother Robert? <laughs> Do something. And then finally, get a song in the pit. So not only get closer to God, get a word, uh, get a heart of forgiveness, get some self-care, but get a song in the pit. Psalm 77 verse 6 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. It's good to worship during the day, but you need a song in the night. Anybody that knows me knows I love earth, wind, and fire. But I'm a, uh, that's the way the world ain't going to help me when I'm in a night season in the pit. I love earth, wind, and fire, but I don't sing them when I'm in a pit. I love the stylistics and the spinners, but I'm not singing Sister Debbie rubber band man while I'm in the pit. That ain't going to help me in the pit. <laughs> I love Michael Jackson, but Billie Jean ain't going to help me in the pit. I got to sing some no weapon while I'm up in the pit. Oh, I, thank you, Fred. I got to sing some no weapon formed against me shall prosper while I'm in the pit. I got to sing some Tamala man in the pit. Take me to the king in the pit. 
I'm just going to lay before you my offering, Lord. I got to sing some of that kind of stuff in the pit. I got to sing some Hezekiah walking in the pit. God favored me in spite of my enemy. I got to sing it in the pit. My wife would tell you, I get in the shower, I got to have my pit music on while I'm bathing. And I play it loud. Because I want that in my spirit. I want that in my spirit. You got to get a song in the pit. Why? Because the pit don't make sense. <laughs> but listen, but the pit makes change. Uh, that was too hood for y'all. That was too hood. I did a play on words with sense and change. The pit don't make sense, but the pit makes change. Put that on Facebook, tweet it, Instagram. Pit don't make sense, but the pit makes change. Because you wouldn't be what you are today without the pit. Joseph wouldn't be able to liberate folk, including his brothers, without the pit. So when God brings you up out of that pit, move on. Don't keep looking back at the pit. Move on and walk in your destiny. Go out and help somebody. Because Joseph said, I was saved from the pit so I could save lives who were struggling from famine. So there was a purpose for the pit, the saving of many lives. You're going through something so that you might be a minister to someone else. It's not just about you. It's about how God can use you to help someone else. And the comfort that you've received, you can pass on to someone else because you've learned some things about God in the pit. I've become a better pastor because of the pit. I've become a better minister because of the pit. I know how to pray better because of the pit. I know how to trust God better because of the pits in my life. Now, I don't want them, but I've learned to thank God for them when they come. I ain't that spiritual. I'm saying, Lord, I'll take a pit today. No, I don't want a pit today. <laughs> but if one comes, it was ordained for me. And I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will be in my mouth. Okay, okay, you're saying, okay, pastor. What happened to that young man you were talking about? You started the sermon talking about a young man that married his sweetheart. Got into an accident here in Nashville, jumped over a guardrail and fell 40 feet down in a ravine, shattered his legs and shin and ankle and bleeding from the mouth, needing jaw surgery and all. What happened to him? He had two years to heal around the clock. What happened to him? Well, let me tell you what happened to him. After they pulled that trach out of his throat, he continued to minister with his mouth. And he kept on speaking, or should I say, rapping about the Lord. People thought that he wouldn't be able to rap as fast as he used to rap, but God healed him in such a way where he raps even faster than he used to rap because he's one of the fastest rappers in Christian hip-hop. I'm talking about a young man named Cannon. I'm talking about a young man named Aaron who's a member of this church who said to me, Pastor, I didn't like the pit. I was angry with God. But in the midst of that pit, let me tell you something. I saw my wife for who she really is. So he said, I got to thank God for that pit. And not only did I see my wife for the kind of servant and the kind of lover that she is, I saw God for who he is in the pit. 
And I'm praying that God will bless this young man and increase him to continue to go out and minister to waves and thousands and hundreds of people. And he can identify with folks who've fallen into pits. And he can tell them, literally, I fell. But God resurrected and got me up. And you can resurrect as well. My God. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the pits, Lord. We want to say thank you. We don't want to cuss no more about the pits. We want to say thank you for the pain because there's a purpose for it. You're in control even when it feels out of control. You got us. Even when we lose our grip of you, you never lose your grip on us. The pit, the pain, the hurt, the rejection, the betrayal, the abandonment. Your son went through it. He became the chief cornerstone. And this was your doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes what you did with Jesus and what you're doing with us. Which is why we can go on to say what the next verse says in Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. Even after rejection, this is the day we will rejoice and be glad in it. May your people be glad who have gone through some things that hurt. Lord, help them to be glad. Help them to rejoice. Help them to praise you. Help them to thank you. Help them to find you in that mess, in that pain, in that hurt. May they turn it on the enemy's head that what was meant for evil, you know how to work it for good. Work it for good for your folks. Work it for good for your people. Bring them up out of that pit and prosper them and bless them to be a blessing. Blow their mind. Seat them, Lord, at great tables with great people to do great things. You doing the impossible with broken folk and broken situations. Do it, Father. We'll give you the glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Did that help anybody? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. All right. Dr. Jewel, you got us? You got us? You going to close us? Y'all be all right. The game don't start till 2. Be cool. Be cool. Thank you. Thank you for ministering to our spirit man through the word of God. Um, I want to share with you that here at Strong Tower Bible Church, we're interested in your health holistically. We know and we are grateful for the word of God that is able to transform our, our spirits. But we're also, we know that we're not just spirit people, we're soul and body. We have a physical being, a physical presence. And so I just want to share with you that on this Saturday that um, Dr. Joe Ozine, Okay, and me, I'm Dr. Jill Gibson. He's a doctor of um, medicine, and I'm a doctor of nursing. We're going to come together, and we're going to combine our cumulative almost 40 years of experience to pour into the body to help you to be physically well so that you can go out and do the things that God has called you to do. Two of the chronic illnesses that plague us today are hypertension and diabetes. So we want to talk about that. So... This Saturday from 8.30 until 2 o'clock, we're going to pour.
pour into you um, from our clinical experience. And so if you come out, we're going to feed you, we're going to share with you, and we're going to dispel some of these myths, okay, about health and disease. So from 8.30 until 12, we're going to talk about hypertension and diabetes. That will be Dr. Ozine. From 12 until 2, I'm going to talk to you about depression, anxiety, and suicide. Okay? We've got to talk about these things in the body of Christ. And so if you will come out, we have a registration form. If you go to the website, come on up and let's see. Okay, let's see. And we will check our blood sugars. Oh, okay. Want to share this? Thank you, Dr. Ozine. Um, we do not eat after 8:30 p.m. because, look, if you want to get your blood sugar checked, we want you to hold off on eating um, after 8:30 p.m. so we can get a glucose level on you. Some of you may be concerned. My mama, granddaddy, everybody had sugar, and I want to see if I have it. Okay. We are going to do some testing, um, and we're also going to do some blood pressure monitoring. I just wanted a couple of myths, okay? I'm okay. My blood, my, look, my um, blood pressure is 170 over 83. That's good for me. That is a myth, okay? Your blood sugar being high, and I don't feel it, so my blood sugar is good. That's a myth, okay? That depression and anxiety is the devil, we got to talk about that, okay? So we're going to talk about a whole lot of things because I think that we're holding each other hostage to some things that we don't need to. We need to get some help. So please come. Let's have open and transparent discussion. Let's become knowledgeable about our physical bodies so that we can do the work of the kingdom here on earth. Amen? In a healthy way. So let us pray. Go ahead. Come on. Uh, Mara, the offering came in. Pastor Jerry's a little nervous because we got a double what's here. 3,341. Amen. Look at God. Oh! Stand to your feet, Dr. Jewel. Take us out. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you are the God of the pit and you are the God of the harvest. Lord, we thank you that we can just rest in great confidence of that. So, Lord, we pray that the words that were spoken on this morning, that they will minister to our hearts. Whatever valley that we're in, Father, help us to trust you. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, God. We pray that you will help our unbelief. Help us to be great warriors in the pit. Help us, God, to manifest your glory through peace and joy in the pit. Because people won't understand that. But may they see how we maneuver the pit and say, hey, if he's your God, I need him to be my God too. So, Lord God, we thank you. We praise you in the highs and in the lows because we know in it all you are good and your will and love towards us is perfect so lord here we are thank you for this day thank you god and bless us as we go in jesus name amen